Here's how Auburn football can overachieve in 2022. And no, it's not the quarterback position. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm. And I'm, I'm freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackaby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's Monday, so we are joined by Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, podcast host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey, I've been looking at numbers a lot this uh, this weekend. And, you know, the narrative is, okay, if Auburn's going to take a big step forward in 2022, it's going to be at what? The quarterback, quarterback position, right? Whether it's Zach Calzada, TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, they come in, win the job, and just the offense forms around them. That's the narrative. And obviously that's true. If the quarterback does that, it's going to make your team better. But I think for this team to take a step as a whole and overachieve, you know, a lot of people have them going six and six, seven and five at best. To me, I think it's the defensive line and the pass rush. That's the strength of this team. We know that's the strength of this team going into this season. And in fact, if it's not the strength of this team, Auburn's probably not going to be very good. I think a lot of this has to happen with Auburn's defensive front winning the battle line of scrimmage consistently and specifically on passing downs, Lindsay. So last year, Auburn was sixth in the SEC in sacks. They had 36 sacks on the season. So just for reference, so other people know, Alabama led the SEC in sacks with 57. Wow. Uh, like almost all of those are like one person though. Two is Georgia, 49. Three Ole Miss, they had 40. Fourth was Texas A&M, they had 39. LSU was fifth with 38. And then Auburn was right behind them with 36. So their pass rush from a sacks standpoint was top half of the SEC. But we, we know the stats go deeper than that, though, right? We know that a pressure is just as good as a sack, right? Or, or you know, there's, a sack is such a... It's almost arbitrary at this point as far as how much it impacts the play. But Auburn was top half in the SEC, and I think they can get better this year. Yeah, and so, like, the first thing I think of is... Auburn was clearly in that second tier. So that first tier is Alabama and Georgia that are, you know, just about 50 or above. Mm -hmm. And then you have 40 through 36 sacks is four teams, Old Miss, Texas A&M, LSU, and Auburn. So I don't think, like, going from sixth to fourth, if the tier is around the same, I don't think means a lot. So I think part of if we look at the pass rush being better, is you need to look at can you either clearly be better than your tier or can you move into the next tier as far as production, whether it's sacks, whether it's pressures, whether it's quarterback hurries. And so I'm curious to see how that shakes out for Auburn. Yeah, and of course, you know, getting home is such a tough thing. The difference between that and hitting the quarterback, but he gets rid of the ball in time and it's a bad errant throw, you know, that that that's... It's a pretty thin line, right? Mm-hmm. But you look at it, and it's like, well, you know, Alabama, they had Will Anderson last year. They will have him again next year with 18. But Ole Miss, who was kind of leading off that second tier, as you mentioned, with 40 sacks last year, they lost Sam Williams. He had 13, which is a huge chunk 
of what they did defensively. Yeah, right. So, uh, but you look at it. Auburn's Derek Hall, he was tied for third in the SEC with nine sacks. He was tied with six other players, but you talk about tiers, right? Will Anderson's all on his own with 18. Sam Williams of Ole Miss is all on his own with 13. Tier two. And then tier three is, is um, was Derek Hall with a handful of other guys. And then right behind him was Eculiota with seven. I mean, these two guys were two of the better pass rushing ends in the SEC last year. And Auburn's getting them both back. I'm expecting a huge step forward here. And to me, that could really make or break this defense, and which then turns into, can Auburn win seven or eight games or possibly even more? Yeah, and not to tease where I think you're going with this, but it's interesting to me to kind of look at the number of sacks you get versus the number of snaps you have on the field. Right. And so, like, Will Anderson had 18, but if I remember right, Will Anderson played like 85 or 90% of the snaps for Alabama. He never came off the field. So, right. Part of that is, obviously, he has a lot of talent and he is very good at pass rushing, but part of that also is volume. And so you look at Auburn's production, Ecclesiota had seven, Derek Hall had nine, but where, like, how do the snaps change in 2022? Mm-hmm. And is there an opportunity for them to play more snaps and still be effective and get more sacks? Right. And then, you know, like, Colby Wooden had five sacks last year. But he impacted the game probably more than Eculiota did. You know what I mean? So, like, we always have to be kind of weary of sack numbers for that reason. But it's still a good measuring stick in regards to, okay, how much are you in passing the passing game from the line of scrimmage? And Colby Wooden does that from the interior defensive line, which is super, super, super hard to do. That's why Aaron Donald's so good at what he does, because he can do that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, T.D. Moultrie had four. T.D. Moultrie had four. He is no longer on this roster. And there's a handful of other guys that played a ton of snaps that are no longer on this roster. And I want to kind of go player by player in just a moment, Lindsay, what I think it means. How often that were how often were these guys on the field last year? And what does it mean moving forward? Today's show is brought to you by our friends at betonline.net. They are your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews. And news, including this year's NHL playoffs, which is really the only other postseason happening right now since Ole Miss wrapped up their uh, their stint in Omaha um, over the course of this weekend. Also, futures bet online went from Auburn having five and a half wins to six. So jump on that if you still are feeling confident about the Tigers this season. Check it all out at Bet Online. That's where the game starts. Lindsay, there were several guys last year that played a ton of snaps. And all of these snap count numbers are courtesy of Pro Football Focus, and these are their snaps on passing downs. These are not their total snaps. Okay. When the offense threw the football. Derek Hall, of course, uh, led the way, 382 snaps on passing plays. Colby Wooden was second, 353 snaps on passing plays. Eculiota, 307 snaps on passing plays. And Marcus Harris, 299 snaps on passing plays. All of these guys are coming back. Do you think all of them will have a larger role with the exception of Derek Hall? I don't know how much you could get more than that. Do you think Ecliota, Marcus Harris, and I don't know how I don't know how you use Kobe Wood more than you did, but what are your thoughts on these guys returning and what kind of workload they'll have? 
So number one, Eku Lyoto was not a starter to start the season. Sure. And so I think in a perfect world, in a perfect look at the season, Eku Lyoto is closer to Derek Hall when it comes to, I mean, Derek Hall out snapped him by 75 snaps. And I think in a perfect yeah, that's world, like, that's like two games worth of snaps. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I think in a perfect world, that's probably closer to even. And if you look at, I mean, Derek Hall, nine sacks, 382 snaps. Leota, seven sacks and 307. On a per snap basis, Leota was just about as productive as Derek Hall was. And yeah. so part of it is if you assume a full season for, for Leota, barring injury, the thought process would be he would be a little bit higher sack numbers just because of volume. Yeah. And so he would be closer to double. So you have two guys right there who I think that you can conservatively say should get you nine and could possibly get you double digits if everything goes right. Right. So right there, an improvement. Yeah, I think you're right. Ekuliota, I think pro football focus had his win rate at like 18%. And so if that takes a natural jump up to 20%, or 22%, which I don't think is crazy to say, and he plays 350 snaps, like, you're impacting a lot of downs, a lot of passing downs. So, that's all exciting. And I think you can say the same with with Marcus Harris as mm-hmm. well. All right, here's where I think the snap count numbers get interesting as we look to 2022. All four of these guys are no longer on the roster for different reasons. We, okay, mentioned, T- yeah, we mentioned TD Moultrie. He played on 252 snaps. Romello Height, 148 snaps on passing plays. J.J. Pegues, 123 snaps on passing plays. And Tony Fair, 108 snaps on passing plays. And so the biggest production that I think you're losing from a passing down standpoint is T.D. Moultrie. We mentioned he had four sacks. I think those four sacks will be created by people that fill in that spot. But to me, I think all of these snaps are replaceable. Yeah. Uh, TD Moultrie, obviously you, we brought in a transfer. We've got a Dylan Brooks. We've got guys there to take that number three edge snap yep. count. Um, I don't know why Tony fair had 108 pass rushing snaps, but I, but I feel like you can, there's a way to replace those. Obviously you have um Jason Jones probably fills that spot and yeah. probably does it better than Tony Fair does. JJ uh, Pegues, again, rushing from the interior. Uh, I think you have guys on this roster who, whether it's somebody who can get some more snaps, maybe a Marcus Harris can pick up a little bit more, uh, or it's guys who can be more effective in the snaps they're getting, uh, like a Jason Jones. I think, I think none of these guys is glaringly replaceable with the caveat that we're assuming whoever gets the number three snaps at edge has a base level of competency like Derek Hall has. And I think that's why you bring in a transfer, a veteran transfer, because you want to make sure that that number three pass rusher is giving you at least a base level of production. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it there. Of those four names, though, T.D. Mulchie, Romello Height, J.J. Pegues, and Tony Fair, I think two of those guys brought you stability, right? T.D. Moultrie which he really probably had his best season at Auburn last year. And then Tony Fair. Tony Fair came in, and he did exactly what was asked of him. And I don't think we expected any more or any less from Tony Fair. I think he nailed it. He met expectations, and he was a really solid piece of this defensive front, which which props to him. One-year rental type thing. 
which Auburn has some of those guys coming in too up front. We'll talk about them in a moment. But Romello Height and J.J. Pekis, to me, they represented upside and potential of the future. And so you lose that with those guys transferring. Romello Height's at USC now, and J.J. Pekis, like pretty much every other transfer, is at Ole Miss. And so you, uh, you look at that, it's like, okay, well, I think the upside of Dylan Brooks is actually higher than Romello height. I don't think that's crazy to say. No. And then J.J. Pegues, his upside's pretty tremendous just because to be that big and to move that well. Um, but we don't know how he's going to pan out as a defensive lineman. But it's like, uh, I, you know, I, I'm okay. Like, if, if Marcus Harris gets half of those snaps, I'm okay with it. That put him in the same ballpark as the other elite pass rushers on this team. And I think he's worthy of that. I really do. And then there's a guy uh, like a Jeffrey Imba. We've heard nothing but good things about him. He's another guy who kind of profiles as that super athletic interior guy who can take some of those J.J. Pegues snaps. And I don't necessarily know what his ceiling is versus Pegues. Like you said, Pegues just has an absolutely absurd ceiling because he's so athletically talented. He's just very raw when it comes to technique and what he's doing on the defensive line. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which Jeffrey Imbaugh is pretty raw as well, from what I understand. Hasn't played football his entire life. Uh, but you at least have, you can see a window where Marcus Harris gets some of those snaps and is just as effective on a per snap basis. And then a guy like Jeffrey Imba has a chance to come in and be very productive on a per snap basis. And you get more production than what you had from last year's rushers. I can very clearly see that path. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just curious if they compensate it by giving their elite guys more reps and more snaps or do they build out depth and rotation? Because I think you can really make the argument for both because I like Auburn's two deep a ton. In some Mm -hmm. cases, I like their three deep up front. And so when you look at that, um, that's a tough decision for Jimmy Brumbaugh and and, uh, Coach Schmetting to make when you you talk about the strategy going into the season for this defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here's a ton of weapons. You need to figure out how to use them to max effectiveness this season and then also know that you are losing some of these guys going into next season. So how do you balance development with playing well now and Mm -hmm. carrying, possibly carrying the offense if there's some struggles there, which we don't know because that's such an unknown right now. Right. All right, so we've hinted at this a little bit. Who fills these snaps for the Auburn Tigers? We tell you our thoughts and also... Phil Steele, the best college preseason magazine out there. It's been that way for decades. It's out, and we will tell you what his depth chart is for the defensive front. Coming up, all right here on Locked on Auburn. Thank you for making Locked on Auburn your first listen every single day. Encourage you to join the Locked on Auburn Discord. I'm in there all the time. Lindsay's in there all the time. It's super fun, super easy to hang out and ask uh Ask us any kind of questions that you have. We're always talking recruiting, anything going on. That is in the episode description down below. Just click that link. All right, first and foremost, Lindsay, I think Eculiota plays more. I think that fills some of these snaps um, is Eculiota. Yeah, I mean, 75 snap discrepancy between Derek Hall and Eculiota. In a perfect world, you don't have that. In a perfect world, these guys are attached at the hip. They come on the field at the same time. They go off at the same time. They get the same number of snaps, and they are out there for just about every meaningful passing down in a game. Now, I do feel the need to remind everybody, 
it's not just a perfectly linear, if you give them more snaps, they will have exactly this, the higher number of sacks. Sure, right. There is the potential that they are less effective the more they're on the field. But I personally, and I can't speak for you, but I personally feel like, like especially with Ekuliota, that that he can handle a bigger workload and be just as efficient. Like like for him, I don't necessarily think there is a question. Can he be as effective with the same number of snaps? Well, I think he absolutely can. You nailed it. His, his snap count went up on average over the course of the season, and he got more productive over the course of the season. So I I, I don't know what else you want there, right? Um, Perfect. Then Marcus Harris. I, I think Marcus Harris plays more too. I mentioned that, but... His snaps, much like Eku, both these guys are transfers, late transfers, didn't go through spring, and his snap count increased over the season. At least I thought that, and then I looked, and it's definitely the case. He played, let me ask you this, which game last year did the Auburn defensive line look the best? What was the most impressive outing? Oh my gosh. It's the Iron Honestly, Bowl. Honestly, I was about Iron to say, it's Alabama. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was this close to making a shirt that says, you know, I too sack Bryce Young. <laughs> I'll um, keep you sack Bryce Young. He played seventy-two snaps in that game, pass rushing snaps. No, I lied. Total snaps. He he played seventy-two total snaps in that game. When they were at their best, Marcus Harris was there. So get him on the field. I don't know if seventy-two snaps every game is a good idea, but absolutely put him on the field as much as you possibly can. Who who are else? Uh, who are some other guys that you think could possibly fill in some of these? Um, some of these reps. So Jason Jones, as we said, is anytime you have a nose tackle, who's going to be rushing. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Jason Jones over Tony fair. I think he'll do better. Uh, I've already mentioned Same. Jeffrey Imba. I don't necessarily know where he is on the depth chart, but we've talked him up so much that I have, I am now a believer that Jeffrey Imba is going to have an impact on this team. I like it. Um, and then obviously I don't necessarily know how you use Colby wooden more than you already have. But I do think you are going to see a package where you have Derek Hall and Ekuliota outside. You have Colby Wooden and somebody like a Marcus Harris or a Jeffrey Emba on the inside, and it's your four rusher package. You may even see a package where you have Hall, Leota, and Dylan Brooks and Kobe Wooden all on the field at the same time. Interesting. Just kind of like a uh, NFL teams have always called them something interesting. I think the 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 Giants when they beat your Patriots called it the Joker package. There's the what Aces doing, package. Man? The NASCAR package. Yeah. There's always a name for it, but you take your four best pass rushers and you put them in in obvious situations. I think that Hall, Leota, Colby Wooden are definitely part of like three of the four. Uh, I'm I'm there with you. Yeah. And then Morris Joseph, I think, is an interesting part of this. He he was able to effectively rush the passer better and better every season while he was at Memphis. Last year was his best season. I think he had eight sacks at Memphis last year. And so... What does that look like with him kind of coming off and being a big part of the rotation? Um, I think he's going to take some snaps as well. So that's worth noting. All right, this is Phil Steele's stab at Auburn's depth chart. And he talks to like pretty much every head coach. He tweeted out when he was talking to Brian Harson. So I think there's some insight here. Flex. Um, Defensive end, he had Colby Wooden starting. Then he has Zekevious Walker as the backup. And then Garrison Walker behind him. Okay. At nose tackle, Jason Jones. He has Jeffrey Emba there. And then he has NC Sledge. At defensive tackle, he's got Marcus Harris as a starter. Mm-hmm. Marquise Burks behind him. 
And then Tebeki Okoli, which is, uh, I guess he's a redshirt freshman. Um, I would think Burks would be, I would switch Burks and Emba there. Yeah, Burks being 302 kind of. That's a nose tackle. That's a nose tackle. With yeah. the way he, unless you're just a special athlete and like, I love Marquise Burks, but like, I, just, I just don't think that's his role there. Yes. Uh, and then at edge, he has Derek Hall and Ekuliota, both as starters, then Dylan Brooks, then Hayden Bryce. So this is before some of the transfers announced, obviously. Yeah. But so that's that's what we're looking at there. I mean, it's not it's not a bad list. Um, again, I think Akoli is probably a little bit more in the interior. Um, Jeffrey Imba, I I don't think I, I just looked it up to verify it. He's three hundred and thirteen pounds, but at what six six? Yeah, but he's I got he, he's a, got that first step though. Like that. Yeah, Marquise Marquise Burks doesn't have that first step like like Imba does. Yeah, and so I can kind of see, to me, I was thinking, yes, Emba's a big man, but with the speed off the ball, I think he's probably not playing nose tackle for you because that almost feels like a waste of of, of that first step. You want him um, you want him doing a one-gap versus a two-gap thing, like a nose tackle would be a right. two-gapper. So have him, you know, have him one-gapping, firing off the ball, uh, back up to Marcus Harris, rotating in, things like that. Yeah, but, you, you don't earn the name Thanos by playing nose tackle. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, Thanos does not sit back and just wait for one of the Avengers to try to hit the hole in front of him <laughs> to right. hit one of the two holes he's guarding. Yeah. Thanos goes after the Avengers. <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, but yeah, Watch the movie. I, I watched the documentary. I saw him preemptively launch the missiles at the compound. Okay. <laughs> the documentary. Um. He's got some interesting names. I, I, I'm pivoting here. He has Jeremiah Wright starting at left guard. That's a choice. Um, From left I've to right, a lot of- he's got Zaire, okay. Jeremiah Wright, okay. Nick Brahms, Keandre Jones, and Austin Troxel. Okay, so oh, Alex Jackson and Brandon Council are second teamers. I don't think I've seen Jeremiah Wright... M- I'm going to say mock it off a better word for it, uh, put anywhere as a first team guard. I've seen second team to, to me, he was kind of behind Brandon council and cam Stutz. He was kind of behind those guys. I thought, and then obviously calendar Jones, you know, he's kind of in that same area as like Tate Johnson, Jeremiah Ryder kind of fighting for that fourth or fifth guard spot. Mm. Um, starting at left tackle, I'm sorry, left guard. I guess that's a vote of no confidence for our Brandon council. That's weird to me. Brandon Council's fine. Like Brandon, Cal- Brandon Council is not why we had experienced. It. Yeah, that's Brandon Council was not why we had issues up front. He was not the problem. No, um, unless there's just something about his injury we don't know about. But I don't know. I mean, Phil Steele's the one that's talked to talked to Brian Harson. Maybe there's something we don't know about. That'd be wild. Harson, come on the show. Talk to us, please. <laughs> Lindsey Crosby, how can people find you? Read you? Hear you? All that stuff, buddy. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked on MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. You can find it on Twitter at Locked on Farm. A lot of MLB draft stuff coming up, and that's a great segue into the Auburn baseball writing at AuburnDaily.com. We'll be doing season recaps for position players and for pitchers, and then discussing the draft, some of the options that our guys have, who's expected to come back, who's expected to go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to all of your draft 
previews about our Auburn guys. That'll be really, really good stuff at AuburnDaily.com. Hey, that does it for today's edition of the show. Tomorrow, join us for a little Charlie Tuesday action. I'm going to read through this massive, massive book of college football and kind of report back to you guys what all he thinks about the Auburn Tigers. Phil Steele, what he thinks about the Auburn Tigers moving forward. So come back tomorrow. We'll see you then right here on Locked on Auburn.